Welcome to No Interviews, Please, brought to you by Horns 24-7, a recruiting podcast hosted by myself, Mike Roach, and EJ Holland. And uh, we're back for another week of a big recruiting talk. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at No Interviews Pod. Uh, I, I'm going to make an EJ. I'm going to make an apology right off the top of the the show here. As you can tell by my intro, that wasn't the usual intro. I'm a little flustered. Um, my dog. There's a decent chance my dog joins the show tonight. Um, Sasha uh, joined the show last week. That's true. Um, my wife is out of town, and she usually occupies my dog while um, while I'm recording. And he's a bit of an attention whore. And he doesn't like it when we're on the phone or when we're talking to someone else. So he'll just get like get up right up in our face or like scratch the door to go out or he'll bring his ball to me. And now that I'm saying this, he's like giving me the side eye. Um, so yeah, I, I may be a bit distracted tonight because the dog's the dog is a factor. But uh, you know what? We come for uh, to bring the people a product that people don't want to hear excuses. So before we get into tonight's show, how's everything going for you? Everything's going good, man. I'm a little sad that uh, we did not get to eat at Babe's for the opening this past weekend. Very, we even had a podcast poll and everything. And here no, we, we didn't have a no podcast games. poll. <clears throat> yeah, we, we didn't did. have a. No, I mean, there's no evidence that that poll exists. Oh no! <laughs> I told you it'd be a real shame if someone deleted that poll <laughs> so that there was no evidence that it existed. <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, well, we, were we got supposed a, to eat at Babes, and I yeah, we we fully were, and um, I was intending to do it, but uh, we, we'll get into it, I guess, a later when we discuss the opening. It's just the schedule did not allow us to. Everything is, you know, for us, it, it seemed like we got out really late, got home pretty late for a camp. So, uh, you know, we'll do it again. I'm sure we'll be up that way. Um, so like EJ said, we, we will, of course, be discussing uh, the opening regional from Dallas tonight. Um, but first, Texas on the board with that 2019 class. The 2019 class just won't stop. Um, they added – I guess you could say they added two to it. Um, the the first one that went down um, was grad transfer uh, Parker Braun uh, from Georgia Tech, a guy that we've been reporting on is visiting um, – you know, I think we felt like Texas had a pretty good chance. I don't think we necessarily thought it was just going to go down in the way it did, the timing that it did. But uh, Texas was able to land a two-time All-ACC player and uh, a guy who could come in and, and give you immediate depth of guard. Yeah, I mean, you can't go out and, and get a better interior guy than Parker Braun. I mean, he was a, a dominant player in the ACC back-to-back all ACC, uh, just a road grader. He's going to help out tremendously in the run game. Uh, going to help Texas continue to improve in that area. I mean, uh, going into the visit, I think a lot of people, including myself, thought Florida held the edge there. He's originally from there. He made a UV to Florida, was expected to make an official visit to Florida. And so we felt like Texas had a really good shot going going into the visit, but that they had to make up some ground. Uh, and they did make up that ground, and they really impressed Parker Braun and his family. Uh, Braun did play a year of his high school ball in the state of Texas, so there was a tie there. And then we uh, kind of got word that they were able to actually shut it down uh, on Sunday while we were at the opening Dallas. So... I think that the staff did a tremendous job on this visit weekend. It goes to show that 
Um, Texas is able to hit home runs and really turn tides in recruitments when they're able to get guys on campus. So it was a big win. Texas hit the grad transfer market last year, got a win with Calvin Anderson, did the same with Parker Braun this year. Uh, he's going to be an immediate impact guy. I know there's been talks of red shirting, but I don't think Texas recruited Parker Braun so he could take a red shirt year. They want him to play now, and uh, I think he will, and I think he'll have a, a major impact for them. Yeah, um, absolutely, and I, I do think it's interesting, the redshirt talk coming up. You know, I can see it from Braun's perspective, but like you said, I mean, the goal with grad transfers is to get them in and get them to be immediate contributors and fill gaps for you. It's never a long-term plan, and it's not really a sustainable way to continue to do it year in and year out, but in the way that – in the shape that the Texas offensive line is in, and it's getting a lot better, but in the shape it's in, it still needs some guys that could come in and, and plug in here and there, and, and that's exactly what – Braun is there to do. Um, they weren't done with 2019 offensive line takes. Uh, they uh, went ahead and landed uh, Willie Tyler, offensive tackle from Iowa Western Community College after that. Um, we've talked a little bit about Willie on this uh, on this podcast. I feel like we're really the only site that, that did any reporting on him, um, but uh, they locked him up. Uh, actually, they uh, when they sent the offer out, which was sometime last week, um, right? Uh, my yeah, my brain's mush. Yeah, when they sent the offer out, he pretty much committed on the spot. Actually, signed his paperwork on Sunday night when he got back from his visit from West Virginia, um, and uh, made his his announcement on Monday. So, um, man, personally, just getting to know Willie over the last couple of months, uh, what a great kid! A kid who worked really hard, didn't have a lot of natural advantages, didn't have a lot of people in his corner, um, you know, trying to get him offers and get him recruited. Really nice, really open, honest kid throughout the whole process. Um, I, you know, a kid like that to see him go from, you know, a, a small private school in Wisconsin to being at a, a JUCO, and now he's going to be at the University of Texas, be able to get his education there, and, and you know, experience what life is like in a football program like that. Those are the kids I get really, really happy and really excited for. Yeah, I mean, with uh, with the Willie Tyler recruitment, it was interesting because Texas found him really early. I mean, Tyler was supposed to be a 2020 recruit. Um, you know, after talking to Texas, he was able to accelerate his academics, started to pick up some attention here and there. But what a great job by uh, Jake Lange and Herb Han uh, identifying him so early and um, kind of having the foresight to know that this could be a humongous steal and I think that's what Tyler is he didn't have the offer list or, or the ranking that that people want when Texas takes a recruit but Tyler's a hidden gem I mean in a couple of years we could be talking about a uh, starting tackle for Texas so it was a it was a real big find and you know I thought kudos to Mike for always staying on top of Tyler I think a lot of people just kind of brushed him off and Mike just had regular updates on him and it ended up paying off at the end because Texas always liked him. And uh, after having him for a visit and not offering, I think people forgot about him and uh, they, they always envisioned Tyler kind of ending up in the class. And so ever since back in December when they first started to contact him. Yeah. I mean, it's really, 
they don't typically spend a lot of money to bring kids in and, unless they're somewhat serious about them. I mean, now there are, of course, there are always kids who come in on officials that may not get an offer, but for the most part, they're serious. I think for Texas, it was a case of evaluating what their numbers were going to be, evaluating what the situation was with the other grad transfers on the board. Um, and you know what, to tell you the truth, had Willie not been such like an awesome dude to deal with, maybe I would have probably maybe I would have forgotten about it and moved on and it not been in close contact. But, um, the fact of it is, is that, that, uh, you know, they, they see him as a guy that they can project. They trust their development. Getting him to graduate a year early means that he's got, uh, three years to play for, or I'm sorry, four years to play three. So he's got a red shirt year, um, which is great for him. He's going to be able to come in, reshape his body, um, not, not only that, but actually, like I said, he spent a lot of time his high school career playing defensive line. So he's going to get the chance to learn how to play offensive line more. Um, but they like him from an athletic standpoint, from a body standpoint, frame. I mean, it's just it's the whole package. So, um, yeah, so congratulations to him. Congratulations to Herb Hand for adding two more guys into that group um, of the three that they signed. And then of course they're going to look to sign a, another big class this year and a, and a big class next year. So offensive line looks like it's heading in the right direction. Um, EJ, I think that's going to be the last of 2019, but you never know, I guess. Um, so let's move on to 2020, uh, including some visitors who are going to be on campus this week. Why don't you tell us about it? Yes, so Texas will have a small but important visit weekend as it hosts four-star wide receiver Troy O'Meer and four-star linebacker Josh White. They will also get elite 2022 quarterback Quinn Ewers on campus on Monday. Uh, But focusing in on O'Meer and White, um, starting off with White, he's a guy that had been to campus on multiple occasions. Texas opted not to offer him until recently. And that Texas offer was one he was always waiting for. I put in my crystal ball for UT because, you know, that's the one that really, uh, that he was really talking about for a long, long time. And uh, he always showed up to campus despite not having a scholarship in hand. I think Josh was really patient and excited when he got the offer. Getting him on campus so quickly after extending an offer is a big plus. Um I think White is very, very high on Texas. He reminds me a lot of of David Benda. I think he's a guy that you could easily see in the class. He does have some other big offers, but I like where Texas stands early on. I think this visit will go a long way in his recruitment. The flip side of the coin, you have Troy O'Meara. And from what everything I've been able to gather, uh, I, I think that Omir is right up there, uh, if not in the one, the two spot on the wide receiver board. They love him. I am a really big fan of Troy Omir. I think he's a big physical receiver that can bring a lot to the table. Um, You know, a lot of people have pegged Texas A&M as the leader in his recruitment, and I think they were early on. I think Texas A&M was the unquestioned leader. Uh, Texas has done a really good job lately. He has a strong relationship with Drew Maringer. He's really liking what the program is doing as of late. I think this visit could really turn the tide there. He uh, he really wants to uh, get an extended look at Texas, and he's going to be there for multiple days. So I think that's going to help. Uh, It's early, but I think this visit is going to have major ramifications in this recruitment. So 
Uh, definitely an important weekend for Texas. We'll have some updates on both Amir and White following their trips to Austin. But I, I think, you know, the last week was important getting the commits and stuff. Setting the tone for 2020 uh, is going to be the main focus this weekend. And, and these are two visits that could really shape, you know, a key recruitment on both sides of the ball. Yep. So um, for more on that, more on those visits, recaps, all those things, please visit us over at Horns 24-7. Subscribe and you'll get uh, to read all that good content. Um, All right, EJ, anything else before we move on to the mailbag? I think it's time to answer some questions. All right. Well, let's get on to the mailbag. As always, get your mailbag questions into nointerviewspod at gmail.com, or you can send them directly to our DMs at nointerviewspod. All right. Our first question comes to us from Jonathan Stewart. He says, how does the Parker Braun commitment affect Texas recruiting, primarily at running back and Zach Evans? Um, And if you had to choose two players out of Ringo, Flo, and Wilson to commit to Texas, which two would you choose? Um, I don't think it it affects Zach Evans at all because Parker Braun is a likely a one-year player at best. He's here next, you know, in, in two years. Um, after redshirting, and I don't think Zach has any clue who Parker Braun is. So um, I'm not sure it's you know as big for him. He's going to be more concerned with the I, – I understand the logic that he should be concerned with the guys who are on campus right now because those are the guys who would likely be blocking for a true freshman running back. But that's just not how kids look at it. They're going to look at the kids who are coming into their class with them, meaning Damian George and Chad Lindbergh and – and the guys they already have committed. So I, I would see it as nothing um, out of the three Ringo flow and Wilson. I'm taking Ringo and flow because they're just at better premium positions. I, I like Wilson's film quite a bit, but you can find receivers just about anywhere and, and finding a true lockdown corner and, and an impact linebacker. Are very difficult. Yeah. Zach Evans does not care. I mean, that's just being completely blunt and honest. Zach Evans could care less. What Zach Evans cares about is Chad Lindbergh and Damian George. That's it. Um, as far as, you know, those three, uh, I would obviously go with Ringo. I mean, I've said on, on a number of occasions that he's a generational talent. He's the best DBO seen since Jamal Adams. I mean, he's awesome. He can come in and start right away. He's that good. Uh, I think Ringo is definitely a five-star guy all the way. Uh, to be different, I'll take Johnny Wilson. Uh, and the reason I would take Johnny Wilson is one, he's all of six foot six and he can just go down the field and he's not awkward coming in and out of breaks. He actually runs really good routes for his size. He doesn't look like a guy that could turn into a tight end. He looks like a wide receiver. And so, obviously, Texas has had plenty of success with tall guys like Colin Johnson and Lil Jordan Humphrey. I think um, I think Johnny could come in and play immediately as well. Uh, I feel like he'd be a perfect fit for the offense. And just spending time with Johnny, look, I don't, I know Ringo extremely well. Uh, I don't know Flo that much. Uh, but spending time with Johnny Wilson, he is just a program fit. I mean, he reminds me a ton of Brew McCoy. So uh, that would be my logic uh, behind Johnny Wilson. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think linebacker is just such a premium position. You have to go with low. But, you know, for the sake of being different, I went with Johnny. So you're saying if you weren't being different, if you would have just had to answer first, you would have gone with low. Yeah, I mean, just premium positions. You have to go with premium yeah. positions. Right. Uh, speaking of Johnny Wilson, uh, he says, <laughs> next question from Tariq LaCour says, is Johnny Wilson more comparable to Lil Jordan Humphrey, Colin Johnson, or Brew McCoy? 
Uh, EJ, go ahead. <laughs> Personality-wise, Brew McCoy. Player-wise, Colin Johnson. I mean, what Colin Johnson brings to the table is basically what Johnny Wilson brings to the table, and I think Johnny Wilson can be even better at the next level. All right, our next question from Trey Stein. He says, now that Jaquindon Jackson is focusing on being a quarterback at the next level, does it hurt Texas um, that they already have card? Who has the higher ceiling at quarterback in college between them? It does Jaquindon plan on signing and enrolling early, even though he's announcing at the UA game? Um, I don't think it hurts Texas that that they have card. I don't think it's going to hurt anybody. I think that Jaquindon wants to prove he can be a quarterback because – a lot of people have been – Jaquinnon's just a weird kid, man. Like, I love watching him play. But, like, he, it's literally like I think he's angry at a lot a lot of things said about him, you know. It's almost like, um, you know, a lot of people said, hey, I think, you know, he could shut it down early and go to Texas. And he's like, no, I'm going to drag it out just to – just and visit all these other schools just to prove it wrong. And I think a lot of people said, well, he's not a quarterback. And now he's like, okay, I'm going to be a quarterback. Um, he's just that kind of kid. So, but I think he also knows that he has upside at other positions. He can play other positions if it doesn't work out. And, you know, he knows that he can go in. And, and I don't think Jaquindon is scared of competition from anybody. I, I literally don't think Jaquindon fears anybody in the, in the country as a football player or what they could do. So um, I don't see that. I think that when you're talking about higher ceilings, it's, it's tough because Jaquinnon is, man, like, I, I don't know. I need to see a senior year. It feels silly for me to say this now. But, like, I'm already thinking about where to place him in all the high school players I've seen. And it's pretty high right now. So, to me, yeah, he's one of the most natural playmakers, a guy who could just take over a game in a, in a way I haven't seen in a very, very long time. Um, but, man, I think Hudson Card. A lot of people sleep on his ceiling, too. It's not just that like people sleep on his, his quarterback ability. He's got a really high ceiling as well just because he is athletic and he is so much closer as a passer that if he figures it out and he, he uses all those tools, you have a very dynamic a dynamic run threat guy. I mean, you've got a, a – you know, like a – say maybe like an Alex Smith. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out a, a – a comparison for Hudson, but um, I, it's hard to answer that because I think Jaquindon's got such a high ceiling athletically in general, but I think Hudson card may have the higher ceiling as a quarterback just because he's closer to it as a passer. And I think that he can, you know, his ceiling is not that limited. Yeah. I mean, like I love Hudson card and I, I don't get why, more people don't even though when you bring this up people say we're wrong but really he doesn't have the like love from the community it seems that sam ellinger had and they they should i mean hudson card is a great football player you mentioned he still has a high ceiling um i i love what he can do as a passer uh what he can do as a runner i think hudson card is going to be a very very good football player uh, with that said, I, I think Jaquin and Jackson gets the nod as far as higher ceiling because he is so raw at the quarterback position. I mean, if you're talking about higher ceiling, like you have to go with Jaquin because he is not even close to reaching his full potential. He's just starting to kind of be okay with playing the quarterback position or wanting to play the quarterback position. And 
you know, Mike, you told me a while ago, like if you're going to play the quarterback position, that it's something you have to be dedicated to. And I think uh, Jaquin is just starting to come around to that. I mean, he has a cannon for an arm. He can throw the heck out of the football. But right now he's still struggles with mechanics and putting touch on some passes. So he did have some really impressive throws at the opening Dallas. Um, and I mean, obviously he's a tremendous runner and, you know, we, we talked about the Cam Newton comparisons and everything, and he certainly can be that, or he can turn into a monster linebacker or something else. I mean, Jaquinnon's just such a special athlete, and I don't think, to answer the other question, I don't think he's 100% locked in on being a quarterback. I think he's just leaning that way right now because he does play quarterback. I think he's starting to like the idea of being that next Cam Newton type of guy. Uh, schools are telling him he can play quarterback. I mean, Tim Beck went to his high school like three times. So I, I think uh, that's why quarterbacks become more of an appealing option. I've also asked Jaquindon if he would like to rush the passer. And he's told me that that's probably a position he wouldn't love to play. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think with Jaquindon, he just doesn't really... Uh, you know, with Jaquinnon, he's also the type of guy that next month he could be like, I hate the, doing this stuff. I don't want to play quarterback anymore. And you just never know with him. So I don't, right. and, and I, I also just don't think he cares about quarterback rooms. I, I think Jaquinnon is like so oblivious when it comes to like, I bet if we asked like Jaquinnon Jackson, hey, what do you think about Keely Ringo and Sabelle Smalls? He'd be like, I don't know anything about those guys. Because he, he just like, Jaquinnon's just not really ingrained into recruiting. I think Jaquinnon just loves playing football and hates everything else. <laughs> the thing I love about Jaquinnon too, and what I love about him at quarterback, and I, you know, look, I, I watched him throw his sophomore year, and I said, this guy's not a quarterback right now, but he absolutely could be. It's not because he lacks for the tools. But, and you're right, you do have to dedicate yourself to being the guy that puts in that extra work. It's a mental game. It's a lot more mental than a lot of other positions. But the thing I love about Jaquindon so much is his competitive level. And I was thinking about the state championship game like last night, and I was thinking, man, I wish we could get Jaquindon. It'll never happen because he just won't do it. I wish we could get Jaquindon on this podcast, and I would spend the whole time talking to him about that state championship game. Because all I could think about was how much he, how how much he battered himself in that game for Duncanville. I mean, you remember him just being like carried off the field in the fourth quarter, yeah. because he had just given him everything. I mean, he, he was beaten, he was bloody, he was like he was hurting all over, and he would just come back out on the field every time. And I love that competitive level in a quarterback, and and he's got that in spades. And I don't ever doubt that he's you know, unfit to step on the field in, in that way. Um, anyways, that's just an interesting side. You know what it was? I was watching Saving Birds film for the film room, and I was watching clips from the state title game, and I just started to remember how beaten up he was near the end of that game and how they carried him off. It was like a heavyweight match. Um, but just an interesting side. I mean, I I, I love the kid. I, I He can play whatever he wants for me. Um, but going back to Hudson, I'll just say this. You said that, and people do, they always say, well, no, we never said we, we don't like Hudson. Sam Ellinger would, if Sam Ellinger was in this class, he would absolutely not be threads about, well, can Texas get Haynes King or can Texas get this other quarterback or can they get that? That's where we kind of see the, I guess, the where we perceive it as a non-love for Hudson. Like, I want to grab everybody and tell them, hey, I think Haynes King is an awesome prospect but I don't think you understand how good you have it having Hudson Carr committed to your school. Like it's just, 
and, and to have this guy for a year plus who's, who loves the school and is never going to give you any drama, never anything like that. And he's a really damn good player, too. Like, that's, I guess, where EJ and I are coming from when we say that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've talked enough about this, but yeah, I just want to make it clear. We absolutely love Hudson Card. Like, you know, we talk so much about Jaquinn and Jackson, what he can be as a quarterback or something else. But Hudson Card is, uh, I mean, he's a four-star guy by a good margin. The reason he, and, and Hudson Card compared to Sam, look, Hudson was is way further along right now than Sam was as a passer. And he's not a bruiser of a runner like Sam was, but he uh, is a pretty electric guy when he has the football in open space. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyways, that's our rant. Um, our next question from Connor Nelson. He said, which class between 2019 and 2020 will end up having the bigger playmakers for UT, i.e. explosiveness and big plays? That's interesting because I think that 2020 is a more talented class, but I think 2019 was loaded in the, the explosive area. I mean, in 20, you're going to have Mookie Cooper, who obviously can score from anywhere, but when you talk about like Jake Smith, Brew McCoy, uh, Jordan Whittington, that seems like the class to me that's going to produce explosive, explosive plays. Yeah, I think we just have to see how uh, 2020 develops because a lot of those explosive guys were out-of-state guys uh, that kind of came along uh, in these months that, that we kind of found out like, hey, he has a legit, legit interest in Texas. Like we, it was, I'm going to Adidas Los Angeles this weekend it was this same event last year where I was like, yeah, Texas looking up for Jake Smith. So um, I think we have to kind of just wait and see who kind of comes along out of state wise in 2020. But 2019 obviously had those explosive playmakers that you mentioned. All right. Our next question from Rob uh, Techmeyer. He says, uh, do either... Do either of you think you've ever influenced a recruit's decision? Um, and do trainers like Coach Flight or the Footwork King get hired by the colleges for any training, or is their business model just based on personal sessions with athletes? Um, no, I have never influenced a recruit's decision that I know of and hopefully that I don't know of. Um, I That's not what we're here for. We, I, we kind of talked about this last week in a somewhat similar question. But, yeah, that's not – we're not here to do that. I don't care to recruit for anybody. They don't pay me to do that. Um, as far as the trainer question, from what I understand, schools are not allowed to hire trainers to do sessions for them uh, by the NCAA rules. Now, a guy like Coach Flight, who has multiple guys at Texas, can go to Austin. Um, I don't believe he can use school facilities, but he can go to like an intramural field or something or, or just like a park and he can do his own training there with his guys. I mean, that's up to them, but not in any official capacity. Right. Yeah. Like uh, I know Coach Flight still trains like uh, Caden Stearns and, and Josh Thompson, but he has to do it away from the Texas campus. Texas can't outsource him to, to come train. Uh, that is an NCAA violation. And when it comes to uh, trainers, obviously, there's a the big question. Do they push kids here? Do they push kids there? I can tell you guys, like, Coach Fight, David Robinson, Clay Mack, Margin Hooks, guys like that, they're not pushing kids to any school. Uh, I think they give them the best advice they can give them uh, about the process uh, with some of them, or most of them, or all of them, actually kind of going through the process, uh, being recruited. But I don't think anybody's out here. Any of those guys that I mentioned are out there 
uh, pushing kids to, to certain schools. They, they have a job that is to personally train kids. You know, the, those four that I mentioned, I think, do a terrific job of training kids specifically at those positions. And it's a reason a lot of their clients go on to be uh, major contributors. I mean, like it's said, Clay Mack has Anthony Cook, Coach uh, Flight has Josh Thompson and Caden Stearns and some others on the Texas roster. So um, that's that's basically it on that. And we kind of answered the other question last week. We are uh, not Texas recruiters, so we do not recruit for Texas. Absolutely. Okay. Our next question from Justin Daniels. He says, can Texas uh, or can fans pencil in Chris Thompson, Calvante Dixon, and Princely Uman Milan in as members of this year's class? Um, and with Takias Crawford's stock rising, why didn't Texas offer him? EJ, what's up with recruits attacking you via Twitter when you were covering Keely Ringo weeks ago? Um, I will I will say that we feel really good about Chris Thompson good about Cavante Dixon and Princely, but I would say don't pencil anyone in until you see coffee. Um, Takias Crawford, that's a really interesting story. I actually saw him two years ago, and I thought, that's a massive kid. And I, I was with our friend Gabe Brooks, who is a Carthage guy, and he told me, like, yeah, he just – he's not do it. Like, he's not picking anything up, but once he does, he'll be a monster. And it seems like he, he started to kind of pick things up last year. Um I think he's a really good player. I think Texas has seen him. They host him for a couple of visits. But, you know, I think long ago they kind of figured out that their tackle priorities were Parr and Lindbergh and Damian George. And it just seems like a year that's too good at offensive line. You know, Tekias Crawford should have been a 2019 guy. Everybody would have been all over him. Yeah. Uh, I saw Tekias Crawford last year, and I remember calling you and being like, this Tekias Crawford kid's, like, better than his ranking. He's just pretty good. And – at the same time, like you said, it's such a strong 2020 offensive line class, 2021 being even stronger, that it's just kind of hard to fit him in. Texas is aware. They evaluate it. There's a lot to like about Takias Crawford. I think he's a little overrated in the rankings. When I said he needed a bump, I didn't mean like a <laughs> humongous leap. But I do think that he's a talented player that is a big P5 guy. Um, but I don't know if Texas can find a way to fit him in the class with what they're trying to build and how calculated they are in trying to build this class. Um, and then as far as penciling in those guys, no, I mean, look, Chris still likes LSU. There are some other schools that are going to get involved. He really liked his Clemson visit. Stanford's kind of lingering there. If he makes a visit, that's going to be one to watch. Uh, Princely's even though he's been to campus a million times, still really likes Oklahoma. Some of his family members, I know, really like OU. He has some relationships with guys in that class. So Oklahoma is very, very much still in the picture. And with Kelvante Dixon, I think it's kind of wait and see. Uh, I, I think Kelvante is a good player, but is he 100% uh, a take for Texas? I don't know right now. So I think it, with those guys, you can never pencil in anybody. Um, and then with recruits attacking me on Twitter. Um, no, I mean, look, I, I'm i a pretty honest guy, man. You know, even though I like I, – I obviously do prefer some recruits to others from a personality perspective. There's guys I relate to and guys I don't relate to. But at the end of the day, you know, even though Darius Snow is one of my favorite prospects, I didn't put him in my top 15. I'm just going to be honest about guys. Um, I, I think with Ringo – Obviously, I like him. He's he is one of my favorite guys, 
despite the fact that he lives in Arizona. Um, but I'm not I'm not going to let that influence me. I think Healy Ringo is a special player. I I mean I I was talking about him to a former college coach today, and I was like, "What do you think about Healy Ringo?" And he was like, "That guy's a five star. He's the number one corner in the nation, no doubt." And uh, I I really do think that Keeley is that type of player. I'm not going to hype up Keeley just because I don't think he's a special player. I do. And I don't care where he's from. I don't care if he's from Arizona or Canada or Idaho. Like if I, if I think a player's good, a player's good. My job is to cover players that the university of Texas is recruiting. I think a lot of times people see me because I'm all over the place uh, in state as a regional guy, I'm not a regional guy. I'm not here to show every single person love. I'll show people love that I think are good. Um, and I, I'll show people, uh, love regardless of where they're from. If Texas is recruiting them and I think they're good, they're going to be on my timeline. <laughs> I also think it's worth noting that some of the people involved in that thread have received a lot of hype. So, uh, <laughs> I've received many photos and videos. I I also think recruits can just get hurt uh, because I did say Keely Ringo is the best player in the country, and I fully believe that. And it it has. I don't care if I'm from Dallas, and I don't care if I'm from the state of Texas, I, and I don't care that Keely Ringo is not from the state of Texas or from Dallas. I think Keely Ringo is the best player in the country. He's the best player I've seen. I've seen Keely Ringo in pads. This isn't just seven on seven hype. I love Keely Ringo. He's my top guy in the country. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if, if people want to get upset about that, they can get upset about it. It happens all the time. I mean, I, every year we go to like the all American bowl or whatever. I always see somebody from like out of state and I'm like, Whoa, this kid's awesome. And then I, you know, we hear about it from either recruits or fans and stuff. I'm like, look, it's just my first chance seeing this kid up close and he's awesome. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, I remember, um, a couple years, I guess it was two years ago we went, and that uh, the kid at USC, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Oh, I yeah, came yeah. out of that thing going, like, this kid's, like, one of the best receivers I've ever seen. And everybody was like, oh, you, you know, you didn't talk about the, the guys who were there from Texas. And I'm like, look, man, this is my first chance seeing this kid up close, and he's amazing. So, look, <laughs> sometimes we get taken in by the moment, too, and we want to talk about what we see and what we like, and that's how it is. Um, all right, our next question for David Gilbert says, do you think UT will do better in the DFW area this recruiting cycle, and why? Um, I'm going to say yes, uh, for one, because they won uh, last year, which we said all year, just win, and, and that takes care of a lot. And you're seeing that pay dividends, I think, already. Uh, two, I think that they've reallocated some of their resources better in DFW. I think that Rashad Samples having like a full year in the program and being able to do some of the work he does when, when recruits are on campus and he can recruit them there, I think that's helping as well. So I think we are going to see a better uh, a better cycle for DFW this year. Yeah, I do too. I think they're in a very, very good spot for Chris Thompson, Jaquin and Jackson, and Prince Dora. They hold a commitment from Jake Majors. I think they... Um... Okay, so we had a little audio thing happen. We had to stop the show and the recording, so we're going to pick it up where we left off. EJ, it, will DFW recruiting be any better this cycle and why? Yeah, I, I think I was saying it, it will because Texas already has you know a good not a good lead, but they're in a very good position for guys like Prince Dorba, Chris Thompson, Jaquin and Jackson. They hold a commitment from Jake Majors. You mentioned that Texas won, so I think that's caught a lot of attention. You know, Texas does have some ties here. Tim Beck was a, a high school head coach in the area. Drew Maringer played 
in Mansfield ISD. You mentioned Rashad Samples kind of being that bridge uh, for, for connections specifically in South Dallas. So yeah, I think there's an opportunity for, for Texas to really improve its efforts in Dallas and, and garner success. They're having another satellite camp in Dallas. Tom Herman was a freaking visitor in the Metroplex during the recent contact period. So I think they're making a concerted effort to uh, improve their standing in DFW. All right, our next question from Laquan says, uh, I always like watching the 40 at the Combine. Which 2020 recruits from Texas do you think could put up the best time in three to four years? Do you see any guys who you think will be four threes or maybe even four twos? I don't know, four threes or four twos. I would say out of this class, I mean, obviously based off the opening, I would say Jalen Kimber's got a chance since he blazed a four four at the opening. Um, but man, if I got to put my pick in for a guy doing it at the combine, I got to go with uh, Devon Chain. I think who's like literally maybe the fastest man in the state of Texas. I think he's the fastest man in this class, so he has to be the pick. Yeah, absolutely. All right, our last question from Charles Daniels is always, he says, I saw a tweet that said, never will a recruiter ask to see your seven-on-seven tape. Does seven-on-seven help you get recruited? Does seven-on-seven matter in recruiting? Uh, There are people who will say they don't. Those guys who love to beat their chest about it on Twitter, um, I'm sure EJ can attest to this. Every time, and, and same thing with camps, by the way, the opening and all those things that people say they don't care about. The busiest I am with co- talking on the phone to college coaches is right after I leave a camp for a seven on seven event. They know when I leave and my phone starts blowing up. So it obviously matters some. I don't think it's going to look if you can't produce on the field, it doesn't matter what you do in those things. But if you've got good tape, and maybe you just haven't been seen a lot yet, those things help get you exposure. Um, and so I think they matter in that way. It's, it's supporting. It's kind of like, we really like this kid on tape, but we'd also like to see what he does, you know, against some elite competition in different settings. So camps and seven on seven, I think are more supporting than they are. You know, we're going to offer this guy straight off of camp or seven on seven, even though sometimes, you know, the school can't at the specific school camps, you know, they, they offer off of just the camp performance. But uh, yeah, I think seven on seven does help. And, you know, just this year we could, we were at an event in Dallas and uh, two schools offered a kid two P five schools offered a kid immediately following a seven on seven tournament. True. Basically based off the videos we were tweeting. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, that kid would not have come away with those two P5 offers had we not been tweeting about it. Yeah, not at that time he wouldn't have. Um, and I could say I think you and I both spoke to one school apiece. Like one of them was, was – they reached out to me and asked about him. One of them reached out to you. And so, yeah, it definitely, definitely helps. The thing I really love about those is um, – and, and something I really look for when we're out there is when you put kids in a competitive situation, how do they compete? And to me, I don't want to make it all about like, oh, you have to do seven-on-seven seven balls to the wall. Like it is just seven-on-seven. Seven. Please don't go out there and hurt yourself. But on the other hand, like if you're just out there goofing around, why even show up in my opinion? I want to see kids in competitive situations compete. Um, all right, that's going to do it for the mailbag. As always, 
Uh, send your questions, nointerviewspod at gmail.com or directly to our DMs at nointerviewspod. EJ, before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about the opening. Let's talk a little bit about your weekend plans. Not so much about my weekend plans, which are non-existent, um, which are going to be glorious, by the way, because uh, um, I'm basically going to stay home for the first time in a while. So uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good weekend for me. Um, but first, let's get to the opening. Um, like we said, the camp... The way they've structured it now, I kind of get it. Like we get to see, I, I, I guess I can't come on here and complain because last week I came on and complained that Under Armour was too hectic. It was moving too fast. I didn't feel like I really got to see anyone. And I think the way they structure the opening is the very opposite of that. And I did feel like I got to see a lot of kids and I got to see a lot of reps out of kids. Um, so I guess I can't complain about Under Armour and then complain about the way the opening does it. But I just wish they'd figure out how to make it a little more concise instead of like an eight-hour camp. Um, but what were uh, – I, I guess some of my key takeaways are – I think we've talked about Hudson Card a lot today. But, man, I just really love watching that kid throw the ball. I think he gets it. I think he understands I, – I think that's a kid, by the way, who certainly when you put him in the situation, he will rise to the occasion as a competitor. I don't think he gives a damn about camps. Um, he, he really doesn't. He wants to be out there in pads. Um, at quarterback, I do think Jaquinton Jackson threw the ball a lot better than people would expect to give him credit for. I mean, he was putting some ball into tight windows, uh, great zip outside of him. Uh, uh, those two guys at the, at the running back position, man, Ty Jordan just always kind of dominates these things. It's so hard to, to deal with him in these one-on-one situations. Um, receiver, man, this is a, a, a class that's, at least in DFW, is down at receiver. Um, I can't really think of anybody who really lit, you know, just left off the field at me. Yeah, guys there like EJ Smith, who I think is always very good, and I think Marvin Mims does some really nice things. I like Keith Miller from the Colony, but all in all, oh, you know who it was? It was Quay Davis, I guess, who, who stole the show uh, during <laughs> the did. camp. It was EJ's guy um, uh, made, making some amazing plays. Hey, you know what? Here's a prediction, EJ. That kid's attitude is going to rub people wrong by the time he graduates, and there's going to be a lot of haters. But you talk about a kid who, when you put him in a competitive environment, amps up his compete level, and that's what I want to see. And he does it every time I've seen him, and I've seen him a lot over the last three or four weeks. Um, so I, I love that in him. Uh, defensive, or I guess offensive line was probably the group we watched closest because it was the first group um it was the easiest group to watch and uh i'm gonna turn this part over to you i told you kind of oh, we both saw him at nla i told you my thoughts on tommy brockermeyer after seeing him at uh at under armor i called you and i said man i think this kid's got a chance to be the best player in the state um i kind of almost in my head said this could be another walker little what were your thoughts i am on the Tommy Brockermeyer bandwagon. I'm now drumming it up. I'm all the way on the Tommy Brockermeyer bandwagon. I thought he was sensational. I thought he was he had a very strong day at NLA when we saw him. I thought he was even better uh, this time. I still want to see Tommy and Paz. Of course, Walker Little is one of my favorite recruits of all time, and you know he's gonna be a high NFL draft pick. So I, I will reserve comments on that. But I do think Tommy Breyer, Tommy Brockermeyer proved that he, in, at least in these short settings, 
uh, has five-star talent. Like I said, I, I'm really excited to watch him in the spring and into the fall, but, uh, you know, he was really dominant at the camp. He was, in that setting, was the best offensive lineman there, and obviously that includes Francis <coughs> Commits, Logan Parr, and Jake Majors, who I thought both had really solid outings. Logan Parr earned an invite to the opening finals, but Tommy Brockermeyer was the best offensive lineman there. Yeah, defensively, um, I again, with Parr and Majors, I think with Majors, it's a lot of what I said from last week uh, from Under Armour. All the technique and skill is there. It's just he's got to get stronger in the upper body. Um, he, he gets beat basically by pure strength at this point, which I'm not worried about because we've seen what Yancey McKnight does for these guys once they reach campus. And a guy who works like Jake is going to have no problem putting good weight on uh, Logan Parr, I thought was really good and really strong. He just had problems with his hand placement. He would lose. He would get guys in a grip, and I thought, okay, he's won the rep. And then all of a sudden, he'd lose them, and they'd be by him and, and to the quarterback. So I think that just little technique wise things for for Logan. Um, we, we also saw Eric Cade, who who has an offer, who I thought had a really he, he struggled at times during the day, and I thought he struggled kind of during the season when I saw him. I don't think there were any other offered offensive line targets because Savian Bird did not make it. I wish he would have. He was fun to watch uh, last week. Um, defensively, flipping over to the other side of the ball, it was the Prince Dorba show once again. Um, I, I really love that Prince is getting to show off like the pass rush skill in the spring, and everybody is, who was who was hating during the season is kind of seeing that now. <laughs> yeah, because he plays out of position at Highland Park. He plays like with his hand in the dirt, and he's like a four eye like that's not what prince dorba is going to do at the next level i think you know he's a pure pass rusher that's what texas is recruiting him at that's what everyone's recruiting him at and in this type of setting he can show why he's one of the best pass rushers in the country so i thought prince dorba was dominant you want to talk about snubs how did prince dorba not win defensive line mvp like what happened there the kid that did was really good um i can't remember his name the kid from desoto by, Byron Murphy. Oh, did Shamar Turner win it? Yeah, Shamar Turner won it. Byron Murphy. Oh, you know it. what? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of our top performers that we wrote up on the website, the, the national team wrote up. Um, and Byron Murphy was like the top performer out of that group. Yeah, you know, I thought Shamar Turner, who I thought had a pretty good day at, at Under Armour, didn't have a great day at this camp. And it was interesting to me that he won it. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think for sure. Um, Prince absolutely should have been in the conversation for that. I mean, he was dominant. The the fun, the most fun was uh, at the end when they went to Final Five and, and getting to see him go three reps against Tommy Brockermeyer, and it was basically a, a Prince won one pretty dominantly, Tommy won one pretty dominantly, and the, the third one was a stalemate. So, I mean, how much more perfect does it get than that? Yeah, that was really fun to watch. That was like the best part of the game. <laughs> yeah, and they ended like at 10, 10 a.m., and then we had to – have all the other camp um at linebacker brendan scott was really the only guy there who didn't look particularly all that interested in being there um outside of that am i missing faster you know who is very very good drew sanders yeah i mean drew sanders is great i don't think of drew sanders in my head because i just don't see drew sanders going to texas in any scenario um but Drew Sanders is fantastic every time I see him. He's great. Um, no problem with that. Um, 
And then defensive back, there were a lot of guys there. Uh, Jalen Kemper, uh, I got to brag a little bit, did win the uh, fastest man competition, blew away the spark testing. I mean, had a, a 4440, had like a 40-inch vertical. He was very fast on the shuttle, shut off all those athletic tools. Now, I don't think – I think at first maybe EJ you – know, we've gone back and forth on Kemper – I think at first maybe you thought, well, he's not athletic, and I told you, well, he's very athletic. And I think your contention now is just that that athleticism doesn't always translate to the field. Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised at how well Kimber scored based off of when I've seen him live in uh, in other settings, you know, with an actual, you know, football. I think that he plays a lot of off man, and he plays a lot of zone, and. He's a really good technician, and you just don't see necessarily the speed or the explosiveness or, you know, like take a guy like Dwight McLaughlin, for example, and I, I compare them often because they have a really similar build. And when you look at Dwight, he can do a lot of special things. You see a lot of head-turning things. You can line him up at receiver, and he can take over a game. And that's not really the sense I get with, with Kimber, and it's weird because... I bet he beats Dwight in testing. I put my money that he beats Dwight in testing. So it's just odd to me that it doesn't translate to the field all the time. I think if Kimber can unleash his testing numbers onto the field, then he has a chance to be a huge riser, a guy that can move into the top 10 because he has the technique, he has the length, he has the height. He does need to add some weight. But if his testing numbers translate to the field, then, I mean, I'm completely sold on him. But I, I really want to see that. Let me ask you about this. Something I thought about today. And it is a different situation because I think Kimber is far, far ahead technique-wise where this guy was. But I think last year around this time we were saying, hey, man, if Tyler Owens can like figure out how to get all this athleticism going on the field, he could be an All-American, like a, a really, really good player. And he did. You know, he figured it out and had a really good senior season. It, I can almost kind of see that happening for, for Jalen. I think a little bit of the scheme is going to to limit him. And I, look, a lot of guys just don't throw the ball his way. I've seen. I've been to. I mean, EJ, you you can you can you can testify to this. Whenever we have a week where I don't know what's going on, I usually just look at who's at Mansfield and go to that game. And so I've seen a number. I've seen a number of Timberview games, and um, they don't throw his way a ton. I think that's going to hurt him a little bit. But I think similar to, and he's going to have a, a much bigger head start on Tyler Owens because at this time last year, Tyler Owens was ranked like eighth hundredth in the nation, and and Kimber is a top two, four, seven guy. But I think the parallel, at least, was we were saying a lot of the same things about Owens last year. I, I kind of see that. I mean, obviously, they're completely different types of players, but from an athletic standpoint and numbers standpoint and putting it on the field, I can definitely see where you're coming from. Uh, you know, because Tyler was always that, you know, he's always a big guy that we knew was fast, but we didn't know how explosive he could be or how well he could play until, you know, he put it all on the field as a senior. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, other DBs that we saw in in uh, during the camp, um, we got to shout out Jabbar Muhammad, even though he's not a Texas target. Jabbar Muhammad is a guy that I think you saw as a freshman. Um, yeah, I did. I think I saw him the summer before his sophomore year when they were doing seven on seven. 
we followed his career because I, you, uh, this is one you'll probably never get credit for, but you called me in freshman and were like, man, this DeSoto's got this really good corner named Jabbar Muhammad. He's tiny, but if this kid grows, he's going to be a killer. And he's just never grown. He's still a killer. Um, he still dominates at almost every camp we go to. In game, very good player. The problem with Jabbar is he's, you know, he's just a small kid, but was really dominant at that camp. I just wish he was bigger, man, because he's so good. And it just, he wins DB MVP everywhere he goes. And he, he plays on the same seven on seven team as Jalen Kimbrough. And he's so good. And it just sucks because he's small. Yeah, I was looking through the opening numbers real quick to see if I could catch him and see what he actually measured in at. But I, you were dead on calling it, and I when I saw him that summer, I, I was like, yeah, you're right. This kid's really good. I, I just hope he grows. Man, for him, he just never has. But you know, committed to uh, committed to uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. I think that's a really good pickup for them. I think that they get the most out of guys like that. Um, so I think that'll be good for him. So shout out to Jabbar Muhammad, who came in at 5'9", 163, by the way. Um, other than that, Texas targets. Um, we saw Jahari Rogers there. We saw Ryan Watts there. Uh, two guys who I think I've seen a little bit more of, of Rogers. You've seen a little bit more of Watts. So I think both of us kind of wanted to spend some time watching the other one. Um, man, Ryan Watts, you know, I really can see it from a – He's big. He's pretty fast. I think he ran in the four fives during that camp. Um, he did. His testing was really impressive. <laughs> yeah, so outrageous testing, a big frame. Great kid, works really hard. You can tell he wants it. You know, He's not out there uh, just half-assing it or anything. He's just got a lot of work to do as a corner. It's really hard to be that tall and play fluidly, play fluidly enough to play corner. And um, I, I think I can just tell he's got a lot of work to do. Jahari Rogers is the guy that I think that out of these project type corners is the one that's going to make most likely to make it. I think that he's got all the natural attributes. He just needs more experience there. Yeah, I really like Jahari Rogers. I was really impressed with his length. His arms are extremely long. His versatility, obviously, he plays quarterback for Arlington. is explosive on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think he can be more than just a corner. I think he can be a nickel as well. Uh, Ryan Watts, you mentioned it. I mean, he's his testing was great. His measurables are great. He looks like a damn good football player, but he's still extremely raw. He still needs to work on his hips a ton. He still needs to work on his overall technique a ton. So Ryan Watts is a guy that could be a big boom guy, or we could never hear from Ryan Watts again. But I really like his attitude, and I really like his potential. And I think I've been higher on Ryan Watts than you because I love big corners. And I know that with Ryan Watts, if you beat that drum, you're just kind of taking a risk. But at the same time, he could really explode and be a great player at the next level. So I think he's a he's kind of a risky guy, but he's definitely got the talent. Yeah, I want to make it clear. It's been a very a, a pleasure talking to Ryan Watts dealing with the new attitude it's with some of the kids we do with it's refreshing so i'm there's nobody i'm being harder for that i can't make it um i think generally what's going on man you're like in a snowstorm what <laughs> like it sounded like you just kept beating down your mic <laughs> really i'm just speaking yeah. in a computer i am walking around the house with my computer in my hand maybe that's it <laughs> um 
with I'm sorry with uh with Rogers, I think generally between players, you and I kind of gravitate to where you like bigger players at every position, and I like a little bit smaller players at every position. Um, you know, I've mentioned to you before I don't like six foot eight tackles. I don't like. Uh, I tend to rely on smaller guys. So I like guys like Rogers who are in that five eleven, six foot, six one area with length who can really go out there and and use that quickness but still have some of the length to deal with those receivers. But Van I am really pulling for Ryan Watts. Um outside of him, anyone else that caught your eye at the camp? Um, I think we've kind of hit on all the uh all the Texas targets, we kind of went position by position. Um, just, I mean, we didn't talk a ton about Quay Davis, but yeah, he was really, really good, man. He, uh, he's a guy that doesn't have a ranking now that will be a very highly ranked player. He will, made two of the most impressive catches at the camp. Might have had the two most impressive catches at the camp. Um, this guy is going to be a complete stud. Yeah, he's great. He's fantastic. He's fun to watch, too, man. That kid. You know, I'm sure there will come a day where Quay gets tired of the recruiting process. He gets tired of the interviews, and he becomes a little more difficult to deal with. But, uh, man, right now he looks like he's just having a lot of fun with it. Um, All right. So, EJ, you are headed out of town this weekend. Uh, Another trip to the airport for you. It's a shame you're not right. Are you still racking up uh, miles for this stuff? Yeah, I'm still racking up my American Air miles so I can take a nice vacation this summer. But not fly spirit. Um, are you? Do you get hotel points for this kind of stuff? Yeah, you get Expedia points, man. Oh, you're doing through Expedia. Okay. I, I was talking to another writer friend of ours who was talking about his Hilton points or Hyatt points or whatever. Anywho, you're headed on another trip um, in what has been a very busy couple of weeks for you uh, of traveling. Tell us where you're going. I'm going to Los Angeles for the uh, Adidas tournament. Um, it is my maybe favorite event of the year. Um, it's really awesome. Obviously, get to spend time out in LA, which is a big plus. The event itself is great. Um, it's Adidas, so it's awesome. I love Adidas. and I even went and bought a, a Bape Adidas hoodie to go to the event in. So... Uh, very excited to go. On top of that, there will be a ton of talent from the West Coast, so I will get to spend time with my guy, Keely Ringo, <laughs> which I'm sure will draw some more angry tweets. So I'll get to see Keely Ringo again, Johnny Wilson, Savelle Smalls, the whole FSP crew, uh, DJ Rogers, Sam Adams, get to see them again. I know just saw them a couple weeks ago, but always a great time uh, getting to watch them and getting to know them a little bit more. Um, I will get to see Kendall Milton. Uh, I will get to see Justin Flo. Uh, Fast Houston is making the trip out to Los Angeles, so I'll get to see some Texas kids as well. Um, should be a lot of fun, uh, a lot of major talent that Texas is looking at, so it's going to be huge for building those sources out west. This is the event that really helped me out with Jake Smith and Brew McCoy last cycle, so uh, I think it's going to be very, very key for uh, covering Texas recruiting moving forward. I'm extremely, extremely excited about it. It is only a one-day tournament this year because unlike last year, which was the national tournament, uh, this is a regional. The nationals are in Florida, which is a horrible state, and I prefer to go out west, so I chose to go to the regional instead of the nationals. And so um, 
Anyway, these will mostly be West Coast guys, but it'll be great getting to do some stories and talking to some sources and talking to kids out there. Only a one-day event, so you can follow me, and uh, I will have coverage all day Sunday. I am leaving Saturday night and returning at some point Monday, uh, but Sunday will be wall-to-wall coverage of the event. God. Uh, please be sure to take some sunscreen. <laughs> some sunscreen? It's yeah. going to be cloudy in L.A. Do you know it's going to be sprinkling? Last time you were there, you thought the same thing, and then you burned, and then I had to hear about it the whole time. <laughs> that is true. It was very abnormally hot at last year's event, but it's going to be a cool 60 degrees. And when it's overcast, you're at the worst risk of burning. Just, just a thought. Anywho, um, all right, so we look forward to hearing from you on that next week. Um, you should look forward to hearing from EJ on that. Um, at Horns 24-7. I'm sure the Stampede will be chock full of West Coast recruiting scoop next week. Um, I think that'll do it. Let's get out of here. Uh, I will remind everybody, I did post a note. Um, so everything, we kind of explained it last week, but if you're a new listener, basically we used to be with a company called Bsporto. They hosted our podcast. Bsporto folded and didn't tell us anything, um, and so we lost all of our old episodes. I started a new iTunes account. It has been tweeted to our Twitter account. It is our pin thread at No Interviews Pod, so you can go there to subscribe. If you're not receiving uh, the podcast automatically to your feed, go there and subscribe to that. Please like, subscribe, review, rate, uh, leave us a comment, please. That stuff helps us um, as we try to push the podcast up to get visibility, to get funding for advertising, to be able to do more of this stuff for y'all so um please do those things for us uh we appreciate everybody who listens i'm mike roach you can find me on twitter at mike roach 247 and ej where can we find you you can find me at ej holland 24 7 on twitter and on periscope do not add me on facebook i have 15 requests that i have not responded to here's the deal next time if you add ej on facebook i'm just gonna have him read them off on the podcast next time and roast everybody who who tries to add him on facebook so um that's what you're risking so uh we appreciate you guys for listening check us out soundcloud or on itunes um and we will see you next week